Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 28 of The Revenge of Kang. Our heroes, Ford's Furies, surmounted the first of their trials to prove their innocence under Kokri law. They defeated the Kokri champions in the Battle of the Rokus. It was a silly battle. They fought with soft tubes, like pool noodles, and you can't knock out Iron Blood with a pool noodle. So he won. Ford's Furies returned to their hut. They awaited their next ordeal. And then the messenger arrived to escort them to Chapter 9, The Test of Wisdom. I quote, beginning on page 27. After the long wait, you are led outside to undergo the second of your three ordeals. The tribe is once again clustered about the arena in which you defeated the Kokri earlier, but this time, only a single figure awaits you. The wise man is sitting on the ground. He has a bowl in front of him. The bowl is upside down. He says, quote, Beneath this bowl, I have five beads in a line from my left to my right. Each of the beads has a different color. Red, blue, yellow, black, and white— and each of the beads has a different shape. Square, triangle, circle, oval, and rectangle. You must determine which colors match up with which shapes and the order in which the beads rest. Here are your clues. Presumably he produces a Kokri index card at this point so as not to get this wrong. One. The red bead is to the left of the square bead. I hope you're writing this down at home if you plan to play along. Although if you still are playing along with these fucking puzzles, I don't know what's wrong with you. Two. The oval and rectangular beads are on the two ends. 3. The white bead is between the triangular bead and the rectangular bead. 4. The second bead is blue. 5. The black bead is not next to the blue bead. 6. The circular bead is next to the oval bead. 7. And the red bead is next to the fourth bead. The Kokri give the heroes 15 minutes to solve this puzzle. And of course, that is 15 minutes of real-world time for the actual people solving this puzzle, the players at the table. If you'd like to attempt this puzzle, you can pause the episode now. I'm about to give the solution. The beads are in the following order. Yellow oval bead, blue circle bead, red triangular bead, white square bead, black rectangular bead. It says that if the players can't solve the puzzle, you can allow each of the characters to make good intensity reason feats. More reason feats! And success is calculated in a very weird way. If anyone gets at least a yellow result, or if at least half the group rounding up gets at least a green result, then the group can find the solution. This is weird because you can't get a green result unless you have excellent or better reason. So the only way this first avenue to success would come up is if at least half the group had at least excellent reason, but nobody rolled a yellow or better result, which is a very specific set of circumstances, probably arising not from design, but from the fact that the author doesn't understand the intensity rules. Everybody drink. And that's all there is to this scene. It is a logic puzzle masquerading as a scene. And it's one of those, God, I mean, I've done them for fun. Don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy them in their moment, in their place, when I come to them. But there's something particularly tedious about this whole genre of like, the White House is next to the house of the man who smokes Marlboros and hates the beach. Like, if you don't want to do that, that is the most miserable shit to try to slog through. This continues to be a bad idea, these constant out-of-character puzzles and quizzes, but I want to particularly point out an interaction of two very common problems 
with this adventure path that show up very clearly in this scene. So the first one is this thing where the progress of the game depends upon an involved out-of-character puzzle. And if you can't or don't want to work the puzzle in real life, typically your recourse is to a reason roll, which tends to get samey if we get a bunch of these in a row. The other common issue is the misuse of the intensity rules. And I'll tell you what the result of that is, especially in this scene, but really throughout. There's a path you can take through this adventure where this has been happening to you constantly. And that is where if you have a character or a group of characters who are relatively weak at a particular attribute, like they've got low reason or they've got low agility or whatever, the frequent and mistaken application of the intensity rules means that instead of them contributing to these situations proportionally to their ability, which is the way that the rules work by default, there's this gate put up in front of them and they can't contribute at all. So like by standard rules, if you didn't do intensity here, then it would be harder if you had feeble intelligence to get a green result and learn something or everything about the solution to this puzzle, but you could do it. You're just less likely to than the smarter characters. So in a situation like the one stated here, where you can either have somebody get a yellow, a really good success, or if half the team gets a green success, then they could put their heads together and do it. That's very nice if everybody's allowed to get green successes, but that's precisely what the intensity rules prevent. The intensity rules, it's a very useful mechanic, but it's for situations where you want to say, this is so difficult that in this hierarchical system where we have tiers of ability and all these different attributes, right? Like amazing is a tier of strength and monstrous is a tier of strength. Numerically, one of them is 25 higher than the other. Conceptually, one of these characters is on a different level from the other. The intensity rules reinforce that by saying, this is hard enough that if you're not on this level, if you're not on the level of this challenge, only in the most rare of circumstances can you meaningfully contribute anything to solving it. You have to get a red result, which continues to be rare all the way up through all the power ranks. I mean, even unearthly power rank characters aren't likely to get red results. So when you give a puzzle in intensity, what you're saying is, if you have a really good stat for this puzzle or this challenge or whatever, then you're going to be great. You're going to contribute a lot. If you don't have a good stat for this, you're cut off. You can't do anything. I mean, unless you roll a 100 on percentile, you might as well not be here. That is really not fun for players to have their character present in a scene where they are mechanically barred from contributing anything. And it's worse in the kind of shit that this author is pulling because these are like puzzles. These are, you know, examine the circuitry and see what it means. This is different from a case where, for example, you've got a supervillain with like remarkable body armor. And so there's a portion of the group who are looking at their character sheets and they're like, well, shit, I mean, I, I don't have anything that does more than remarkable damage. So this body armor, I, I can't get through it. I can't hurt this person. But piercing the armor is not the problem. Subduing the threat is the problem. And there are other ways you can approach it. There are other ways you can meaningfully support other members of the group. There are things you can do with the environment. You know, you could go real quick kit bash like a weak gadget of an energy type that affects this person through their armor, something like that. As we discussed, the gadgeteering rules could really use some work, but there are a variety of options. These puzzles and these just like binary checks to see if you understand what's going on in the story by examining the evidence. These are really functioning to lock certain characters out of the story. They're they're telling them you don't have a part in this scene, except the part where I put you all into tension and make you do a logic puzzle. That part you get to sit through. Your character can sit outside, but you get in here. Just the worst, the worst of both worlds. Anyway, I don't like the way this is designed, but it's most likely to meaningfully be a problem for groups that have fewer than half of their characters with decent intelligence. If you've got two people on the team with good intelligence, you're almost at 50% chance of success just rolling straight up. If you've got a better intelligence score on the team or more of them, then you'll probably be okay, especially spending karma. 
it is just one role. It's not one of these other frustrating situations where there are like a dozen roles you have to make to get through this one challenge. So if you want to spend karma on them, then it just bleeds you dry. Anyway, the whole test of wisdom. This is not a test of wisdom. This is a test of fucking patience. We've been through and through and through this. We were doing puzzles last adventure. And now here we are again, trying to figure out which bead is next to which bead for our lives to get through a distraction that isn't even the story of this module. But we do get through it, at least if we're Ford's Furies, because Ironblood, I don't know if you know this about Ironblood, but he's very intelligent because of his blood's high iron content. And All Ears is no slouch either, so if he can barely manage to form words, maybe he can amplify his voice with his sonic powers, he can help solve the puzzle too. Meanwhile, Scoop will play fetch with Cub Scout or whatever. Once again, the day is saved by Ironblood, and Ford's Furies are ready to face their final ordeal. Ford's Furies are doing great, but not as great as the Misfits, who did scouting before they went into the Spire, gave the Kokri the slip, and now they're headed back into the Spire to sort out all this beacon nonsense before it can escalate to the point that somebody is throwing somebody into the well of pain. Join me next time for that on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband. <laughs>